Oh my god. Man become preeminent. He's expected to have enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. I'm afraid I can't do that. Enthusiasm. I'm Michael Morgan and welcome to the first episode of Trash OMFG, a regular look at film and TV. Now, the show will feature a mixture of interviews, news and reviews, so be sure to subscribe via Apple Podcasts and follow via Twitter using the at NatTrashOMFG. Now, on this episode, I review Songbird, a case here, I think, of uh, art imitating and skewing life as the film crashes headlong into the current issues surrounding COVID-19. Also, I'll be speaking to Femi Oluwole, a well-known British activist who'll be letting me know his top five films of all time. But first up though, Flex God Daps is an incredible musician in his own right. His EP, released on the 8th of December, is available via all the usual online outlets. I'm more interested in his work behind the lens, though, as you'll hear in this interview. Who am I addressing today? Is it Oladapo or is it Flex God Daps or is it just Daps? I mean, how we get that? That's, that, that, that works for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just on the, the, the Daps persona, I'm, I'm getting a, a distinct like flair, obviously, for lyricism but fundamentally as a cinematographer stroke producer stroke director who's worked well he's actually worked with some really household names from Stormzy and Kendrick Lamar and you know Migos it's like you've got like a who's who of people that you've worked with but you know more about yourself are you like fundamentally a creative or is there a certain leaning because I'm, I'm sensing obviously cinematography considering your body of work but you tell me yeah, I mean, I think innately I'm a, not I think, innately I am a, a creative. So that's what I've been interested in since a kid, you know, whether it was drawing trainers, I thought I was going to be a designer for Nike. I thought I was going to be a, a trainer, a trainer designer. So I used to draw trainers. After that, it was, it was, um, it was making music, uh, rapping, making beats. Um, and making music has, has has never stopped since age probably nine or ten. Oh, okay. Till till now. And after that, it was playing basketball. Um, then later on is when I picked up the whole video thing as well in my. Yeah. Right. I mean, just on the the videography and the cinematography. Um, like I mentioned, you work with some incredible names. Like having looked at your videos, would you say that you've got a style in terms of cinematography style that you would say is influenced by a director or are you kind of well basically chiseling your own path yeah i think uh, of course i'm uh of course i'm influenced i think when i first started doing music videos and i was trying to find my visual voice i think i was probably most influenced by a photographer actually okay my friend yeah his name is fabian fabian montique so he's a he's a photographer and a creative creative director. Mm. I think now, in terms of framing, in terms of placement, in terms of creating tableaus, was was probably influenced by looking at his photography work. So I think that's why a lot of my images that I try, that I try to create, a lot of them feel like photographs 
but in motion. Um, so, yeah, so yeah, I was definitely influenced by his photography work. And then on the movie side, yeah, definitely influenced, I'll, I'll say probably by, I think, Tarantino is a, is a good one. Uh, David, David Fincher as well. Mm -hmm. um, Fincher, you know, again, I like those tight framings and things to be symmetrical and things to be on point and have a rhyme and reason. But maybe that's even, even in my life right now, even like, <laughs> even on my table, I literally will shoot things by an inch just to make sure it's symmetrical to the corner, symmetry, symmetry, wow. symmetry. like symmetry, symmetry. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put this there, boom, put those, boom. Everything has to be, has a place. I mean, now that is like look around right now this week there's literally just, just everything's just even though it might look random it's not it's just like you know what I mean? yeah well, obviously everything has its place you know just looking at your visual style and visual influences i'm surprised that you didn't um cite spike lee in there because there is a sort of bombastic to your work there is a a vibrance to it as well oh, no for sure yeah yeah him too him too him too for sure yeah and uh, i'm too. glad you mentioned the tarantino because looking at your work that's kind of the scale and i like the ambition and i love the fact that you've gone big i mean just on going big just on going big you it doesn't seem as though you started off small you've kind of like gone into the deep end in terms of who you worked with and you know, the clientele. How does that clientele, how do you, how do you actually start basically running and, and not even trotting? You're, you're actually sprinting like, you know, you saying bolt style with the people that you worked with. That's what it seems like when no one saw <laughs> the, no one saw the struggles and all uh, the strikes and all the headaches and all the pitfalls and all the values. So we all, we all, we all see the explosion when no one sees the years of pain and suffering. So yeah, I wasn't, yeah. wasn't sure. I was definitely dropped in the deep end in in uh, different different ways. Mm. But um, no, it was a lot of long years of emptiness. So it's it's really interesting you say that because you're making it look so easy. I mean, you started out. You're, you're born in Lagos, right? And then. You, you found yourself transported to London and now you're living in LA. And that's one hell of a whirlwind ride. That's like, in terms of a journey, that's a yes. lifetime's journey for some people, but you're, you, you know, you're, you're not even out of your thirties. I, I am, I am, I am. I am. <laughs> but, but, but what it is also, I just think it's like how you, um, is how you, is how you grow up. So we are very nomadic family. Yeah. So, so all you're aware of is Lagos, London, LA. Yeah. I've lived, in, I've lived in Spain. I've lived in Connecticut. I've lived in New Jersey, North Carolina, Kentucky. Mm. I've lived in Nigeria more than once. I've lived in America more than once. I've lived in England more. It's like us moving around in the family since we were kids is like nothing. So me doing these big moves isn't like necessarily a big move to me based on what I'm used to in my in my formative years, you know. Mm. Well, yeah, they are big ones, I guess. But yeah, depends on how you grew up as well. <laughs> so, I, I guess not meaning to give away any of your secrets, but like I say, what we have in the unseen, and that is the struggle, but mm. what we can obviously see in terms of optics is your successes. 
When you talk about struggle and getting to where you are right now, how many times did you have to hear no? How many times did you have to hear, we'll get back to you, and then the phone doesn't ring? Every day. Even now, it's normal. Oh, really? What Even now, the body of work that you've got? Of course, of course, of course, of course. Of course. Hearing, hearing, hearing no is just part of, the, part of the process, you know? But hearing no now is easier than hearing no when you hear no 50 times in a row. Because I know hearing no now doesn't feel saddening. It doesn't feel like, oh, they have an issue with me. It doesn't feel like they just didn't want to use me. It's fine. Mm-hmm. My work is my work. You can't argue with that. So if you tell me no now, it's not a personal thing. It's not like I'm not going to hear yes eventually. But now it's, you know, it might, it might be, now it's like, no, 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 yes, 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 no, yes, no, yes, yes. Back then it was just no, 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 no. Literally, it would not be funny 40 times in a row. No, no, wow. no, no. And that could be quiet. You know what I mean? Hard in the spirit if you, if, you, if you haven't got good resolve. So just from an aspiring filmmaker point of view, I mean, obviously people listening to this will be thinking, you know, they're in more or less the same sort of situation that you started out in for some people who are aspiring to get where you are. What actually kept you focused? What kept you on track? What made you think, you know what? No, I think I will stick at this, actually. Because um, I do it for free anyway. What's the difference? It's my hobby. Okay. Like, I like making making stuff visually. I like making music. I like making clothes. I like doing things like creative. If whether you pay me or not, I'm going to do it no matter what. Mm. So I happen, thank God, to have found my passion in life, which is creating stuff. And if I get paid for it, extra bonus. So just before we fast forward to where we are and what effectively led me to you, and that was the uh, hallelujah to my striker. Um, just looking at the stature and the size of you and having like dug around, I know that there was another route that you could have gone down and that was the sports route in terms of basketball. I mean, I what, what actually happened there? Because I know your sister's deep in the basketball game and I know basically um, it, it looks as though from what you just said there, you, you what dabbled in it. Talk, me, talk, to, talk to me about- the no, more, than, more, than, more than dabbled. I played, I played, I played division one college basketball. Oh, yeah, okay. I've got, yeah, I went, to, I went to two different colleges out here. I got, uh, you know, I played NCAA basketball. Um, got, got, I, got, uh, I got two degrees out of it, you know. I got my, yeah. you know, full scholarship. Thank God. No debt. I got my master's, got my bachelor's. I didn't really do as well as I thought I was going to do. A couple, couple injuries and stuff as well. Mm. Um, had, some, had some offers to play pro in, like, Asia or Europe. Didn't really take it because it wasn't. Playing, playing through pain wasn't fun anymore. Going through all that pain every day with like chronic, chronic tendonitis, slip disc, this and that. I had ACL surgery on my knee as well. After right. a while, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't that fun anymore. And I knew that I wasn't going to get to the place I wanted to get to to be fulfilled playing basketball. Mm. When I realized that I'm not NBA bound, it was like I'm not really on it like that, like that, you know. And luckily, I love making, you know, creating stuff. Probably as much as I love basketball. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like giving up basketball was like end of my life. It was just a change, change in a fork. Okay. So, okay, let's fast forward now to, as I say, what led me to reach out to you and to kind of get a bit of a, a deeper understanding of where Daps is coming from. And that is hallelujah to my striker. I have to say that 
caught my attention in so many ways because of the, in terms of the visuals and the artistic reference, I was looking at it from a chapter point of view from a Tarantino movie. I love the scale and I love the look and the feel. We weren't looking at something which was um, a Canon uh, camera. We were looking, it looked as though you, you were using industrial scale. Um, in terms <laughs> we were, we were, we were. We were capturing that on. We were, we were. I just so talk to me about that that whole project. <laughs> Where does that? What actually prompted that? How yeah, was that yeah. put together in such a short space of time? Talk yeah. to me. I mean, anything I'm doing creatively, I just don't like half stepping. I want to do it, attack it, and make it look like. Here's what people don't realize: this is the internet era. All right, internet mm. era comes with benefits and non-benefits. The benefit of the internet era is that the entry level into any space you want to get into is easier. There's less barriers, things are cheaper. You don't need to go to film school anymore, or edit school, you can learn on YouTube, you can get a program, mm -hmm. learn online, do a masterclass, et cetera. You don't have to have a big $20,000 computer and now you can go buy an $800 laptop and you can start your, your thing. So the entry level is easier. The bad side is that the entry level is easier. So there's more um, content out there. Right. There's more noise to cut through. Before there was less noise and I felt like more quality was harder to get in. Now there's less quality and more noise and everyone's putting out BS. So now you have to cut through the noise. People have a short attention span. Back in the day, it was what? TV, newspapers, a movie now and then. That's it. Now there's social media, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, Triller, um, Disney+, Plus, Amazon. Netflix, Hulu, Sky, BBC, Internet, this, that, Tidal, Spotify, we are, people's attention span is so small. Yeah. Who am I to think that I, I'm not competing against Beyonce or Spike Lee or Terrence? I'm competing for your time and attention. That means I have to come correct. Yeah. You have an opportunity to go watch Black is King or go watch Forrest Gump or go watch Top Boy or go watch... Anything you want, you have all choice in the world. Why, why choose me? So that's how I attack my creative project is that I'm not competing against my neighborhood or my block, I'm competing against the world. So when I come with my creative stuff, I have to do the best of my ability to make it look and feel a certain way or a standard that you're used to from people that aren't me. That's why I'm gonna put my effort and my all into creating a project because I know what I'm competing against. Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's what I think the answer is in terms of the quality and scale. Um, and I'm just thankful to have the resources and uh, relationships to put that together like that. Mm -hmm. Not everyone has it, so I'm very, very, very thankful for that. Very then blessed, in, yeah. Yeah, then, then in terms of um, how that day came about, I've been working on an idea for a TV show for a few years now called Squares. Okay. That's why at the start of the short film, it says Squares TV series coming soon. Ah. Squares is basically a crime drama based on that topic we were showing in that short film. Hmm. Squares is um, working on the pilot script right now, working on reworking the Bible, reworking the sizzle, and we're going to take that to uh, buyers in January. The reason why that came about, that short film, is because I just started getting paranoid. I said to myself, black cinema in London is so small. Yeah. Black cinema in the UK is so small. Whoever comes first has a stranglehold on that market or genre or subgenre. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. What I mean by that is America is so large, you have space for power, the wire, snowfall, same subject matter. You have space for that. Okay. You have space for um, Empire and Atlanta and um, Insecure and Woke on Hulu. There's space for it. UK black cinema is so small, there's mm. not space for 10 million black shows at once. There's maybe space for one or two, three. So now that Top Boy has that, that lane on lock, I said to myself, whoever does this fraud thing first is going to have a stranglehold on it. Right. Squares, Squares isn't ready yet. Let me do the prelude to Squares and introduce the world to the world. Okay. So my reasoning was just to put a stamp on the game, like, yo, by the way, this is our territory. We're coming soon. Mm. You know? But you've linked a music element, a very strong music element to it too. What was the rationale or the reasoning behind that? I was going to part of the music anyway. Just, ah. it, just, it just wasn't going to be connected to the short. I was working on music to put out anyway. So mm. I've got other tracks that were, that were actually going to come first. Okay. And then we said, oh, you know what? Now that this, 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 this short film is coming, let's tailor our content to fit that. Uh, wow. vernacular. It's almost like when Jay-Z did American Gangster yeah. soundtrack. Yeah. It's, it's all part of the parcel. So now that we're going to put out music anyway, this music that I put out wasn't the music I was going to put out. Oh, okay. It was, I've got, I've got other stuff that's more in line with my current <laughs> life. <laughs> so, 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 but as a package to mm. push each other, the film pushes the music, the music pushes the film. It's all part of the same language, all part of the same vernacular, all part of the same subject matter. Let's go with this first and hopefully they can help each other. I mean, just on the narrative, if you don't mind me saying, it seems 100% authentic. In terms of actually uh, proofing that and in terms of um, testing it as a proof of concept, how is it so authentic? I mean, I think in London, everyone knows people that know people. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone is probably one one person removed from that life. We all, we all, right. we all know someone that we all know someone that engaged, you know, engaged in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I hear you. So, so tell me that there is a, um, there, this is going to be an ongoing series. I know you were saying that. Look, that there is a pitching process to this, but you've left us on a on a on a real cliffhanger here. Everyone, you know what's funny, man? Everyone's asking about part two right now. So, we might have to give people what they need. Yeah. So yeah, part two, might come part two might have to come real soon. Let's see. Incredible, incredible. Well, thank you so much. I know I did say that it was going to be 20 minutes, but I just want to just ask one thing. No, we're good. I've got, I got, I got a bit of time if you need it. Oh, oh okay. Um, just my final question in, in, in closing. Um, one of the things which I'm, I'm really keen on nailing people down on when they come on and their guests is to reintroduce this concept of desert island discs. Now, okay, we're in the internet age where everything's digital, but let's just imagine you crash landed on an island and literally you've got a solar generator, but only one film on that laptop. What is that one film going to be? That one film out of your entire life's work of viewing. What is that one film? Could be any- Watch over and over and over and over again. Yes. (laughs) 
The first one that came to mind as you were talking was Forrest Gump. Oh, okay. As you were talking, the first one was Forrest Gump. What was it about that in terms of, I mean, I, I love the, the play of narrative structure. I love the play of um, actually intercutting real life events with. Um, Correct. But what is it for you that kind of like makes you think I'd like to watch this over in, in perpetuity, basically? I have watched it over and over again. I mean, and I have a board of it. I think every time I see something new, and I'm a history buff. Oh, okay. So, like I spend my time on Wikipedia just reading about the most random no one would ever believe me, the most random rabbit holes about yeah. history. You know, yesterday I was reading about Sierra Leone and their history. The other day okay. I was reading about um, some, um, some like slave island off the coast of um, Georgia. The other day I was reading about this, just, just, I just history in general. Like even when I go on holiday, I like to take a day to go to the ruins or the museums or the whatever, whatever just to, mm-hmm. that's my favorite. So Forrest Gump already has that built in in terms of historical moments that shaped our right you know so maybe that's why i like it as well and yeah i I just feel like there's a lot of life lessons in there there's a lot of um undertones and a lot of nuances when it comes to like this is very very smart very smart Mm, mm, mm. fantastic well thank you again for your time you've been really really generous and i know you've had to get up really early for this one i wanted to you know take this opportunity to wish you all the best have in the back of your mind that you have got a ravenous audience waiting for that part too. So no, thank you, thank you. Happen. Appreciate it. Thank you for having you on as well. Appreciate you. Curfew is now in effect. All unauthorized citizens must stay indoors. Tensions rise as we enter the 213th week of lockdown. A grim new reality emerges. COVID-23 has mutated. About a thing. Beginning thermal scan. Thermal scan normal. Every little thing. A horrifying new development. New today. data confirms the virus attacks the brain tissue. Whoa, 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 I'm immune. Worldwide death toll rises to over 110 million. All infected Americans are being forced into quarantine camps. About a thing. Sarah. Sarah, what's going on? Department of Sanitation. Sarah, talk to me. I think my neighbor has a fever. It'll be so much easier if you just open the door. Mrs. Grant! Songbird is a film. It's directed by Adam Mason, who wrote the screenplay with Simon Boys. And they did this whilst the pandemic was actually unfolding in its infancy earlier this year and it's produced by Michael Bay yep that Michael Bay Transformers Michael Bay and it stars KJ Apa, Sophia Carson and the more widely known Demi Moore now the project it was actually announced in May 2020 with the screenwriters Adam Mason Simon Boys having come up with the concept in about or around about March now shortly after that the pandemic obviously stopped all of film production the cast actually joined in June and filming took place around, well, in and around Los Angeles over July and August. And it's the first film to have a production following the shutdown. Now, um, Songbird is actually released through Premium Video and it's available on demand. It was actually released on December the 11th, 2020, and it's received 
I would say generally negative reviews from critics who felt the film basically didn't take advantage of its premise. Now, the premise is really, really simple. By 2024, COVID-19, yep, that well-known virus, has mutated into COVID-23. And the world in its fourth pandemic year is still under global lockdown. Now, in the United States, people are required to take regular temperature checks daily on their cell phones, while those infected with COVID-23 have been hauled off and uh, taken from their homes against their will and form, well, basically forced into quarantine camps known as Q-zones or concentration camps, if you read between the lines. Now, the main protagonist, Nico Price. Now, for those among you who actually follow or listen to Shots Fired and Woke Up, the Wokast, my uh, other podcast, you know that Nico Price is a name which uh, sometimes comes up as he's a well-known mixed martial artist. So it did make me grin over so slightly, knowing that Nico Price was the main protagonist of motorbike courier with immunity. Now, due to the fact that he has, uh, or he was infected with the virus, he basically is now in a virtual relationship with Sarah Garcia, a young artist living with her grandmother. Now, at its heart, this is a love story. The plot device is really simple, as I said, and um, it has the pace, though, of a thriller. The narrative structure is quite linear and simple to follow, and the merciful runtime, a lean 90 minutes, means that if you don't enjoy this, you can go back to your lockdown existence, depending what country you're listening to this podcast on and what tier you're in. Shout out to all my UK listeners, especially those like myself now living in tier three. I've seen a lot of online chatter as to why would you make a film of this nature, given what we're all living through, an actual nightmare. As someone who always looks for narrative structures that aren't running the mill, I found myself going against the grain of those who have widely panned this. I think this is a masterstroke of film genius, which is why, basically, I feel that uh, it provides a cinematic version, albeit exaggerated, for the moment to COVID-19. I say exaggerated for the moment because as I'm prepared to put this podcast together, our news outlets over here have announced some pretty breaking and uh, worrying news. Scientists have actually identified a new variant of COVID-19. Now, what that basically means, it's being held responsible for the faster spread in southeast England. That's pretty worrying. That's a very worrying development. But back to the film. I enjoyed it. I thought that it was excellent. I enjoyed the bravery, which actually saw it brought to the big screen, or small screen, actually. It was uh, received in the cinema and um, via On Demand. Bearing in mind that this is actually filmed in the midst of a pandemic, it's got a pretty decent performance and incredible photography and cinematography included in the mix and uh also a nice little pretty decent twist as well next up is femi oluwali now if you're based in the uk and have not come across this particular individual dominating owning and putting politicians and pundits in their place on daytime tv and via his widely followed twitter account where have you been Femi is a British activist. He does not pull any punches. He has the intelligence of 10 men combined. Well, okay. 
nine men combined, and an incredible sense of humour. It was an absolute honour and pleasure to speak to the man, sticking it to the man. Demi, I mean, the floor is yours. I'm really curious why having the online hate that you do, mm-hmm. having the online traction that you do, having the doubters that you do, what motivates you to keep on going as an activist in the UK, getting the sort of flag that you do? What motivates you to get up each and every morning to do this? Uh, probably because I grew up on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so the hero <laughs> complex is uh, kind of well ingrained. But Buffy the Vampire Slayer and a whole bunch of superhero shows uh, means I kind of have to do this. In fact, I have a quote which is pinned up on my wall, which is from the spin-off of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which says, um, nothing in the world is the way it ought to be. It's harsh and cruel, but that's why there's us. Doesn't matter where we come from, what we've done or suffered, or even if we make a difference, live as though the world were as it should be to show it what it can be. Whoa. Um, and that's 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 it for me. Okay. I mean, let's just split this down the middle, just for our stateside audience who may not be as acquainted with your work as say the British contingent. From what I can see in terms of the conversations that you're having, not just on the um, screens of Twitter, but on daytime TV, your kind of like uh, mantra, your rhetoric is kind of like split across two, um, as it were, core subjects. And that is Brexit and Black Lives Matter. And that is not the movement, but just the fact that, look, we just want equal rights. We want human rights to start with. So forget about the banner being waved in terms of Black Lives Matter Limited. This is about us as human beings wanting the fundamental rights afforded to other people. So have I got that right in terms of the way that you, you pitch yourself? So it's it's more that I um, studied law because I love arguing and I wanted to basically arm that skill. Um and I also felt that it would be a good way to make a difference, help people. I'd grown up on shows such as Boston Legal, so I thought I could get up there, make big speeches about morality and really and really help shape the world that way. Uh, but the more I studied of law, the more I realized I wouldn't be able to do that unless I entered politics. Um, and so I took, I went in the human rights direction. Uh, I worked for an NGO, a human rights NGO in, in Brussels. I then worked for the EU's Fundamental Rights Agency. So basically human rights advocacy is where I've come from at at my core. But the reason why I started to take on Brexit was because I saw Brexit as a threat to human rights because the UK government just doesn't care about them. Um, And so uh, given I could see how right-wing this government was um, uh, and, and given that I've... I mean, we've all experienced racism during during our life, and and given and given how um, the Black Lives Matter movement is being just beaten down by the right wing narratives about it's a it's some Marxist organization, it's just an it's just, it's just a PLC, all the stuff they keep throwing. Um, uh, this year, especially, um, I had to I had to stand up on on this one. Amazing. Well, again, thank you for being the people's champion. Thank you for tirelessly doing it. But speaking of tireless, I I take it that you've got a a tireless, not fascination, but love of film as you do of TV. And I just wanted to, in the age old fashion, um, kind of like 
resurrect the old desert island disc yeah. notion and that is you've crash landed on a desert island and apart from the uh, generator that you have which is solar powered obviously mm. because you're in sunny climes it's enabled uh, you to actually power this generator but you have five discs which you can actually slot into your macbook of choice and play now going in no particular order what would be the first disc that you'd be uh, making sure that you've packed? Definitely the Dark Knight, for starters. Okay. Um, uh, the second of the Chris Nolan Batman films, uh, because that film, I just, the, I just fell in love with the Joker. Um, in fact, I worked with kids in the, in, for a couple of summers just after that, and I traumatized them so badly with my Joker impression um because it's spot on you know um, you've got a brilliant now <laughs> we have to hear this joking impression that you as a kid with okay i'm ready i'm mm. i'm seated go for it do i know how i got these scars my my father was a drinker and fiend uh, one night he comes he comes on drunker than usual mommy takes mommy grabs kitchen knife to defend herself he doesn't like that. Not one bit. So, me watching, he takes the knife to her, laughing as he does it. Turns to me and he says, Why so serious? Turns to me with the knife, Why so serious? He sticks the blade in my mouth. Let's put a smile on that face. And, Why so serious? Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. BAFTA winning. <laughs> I'm dying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so The Dark Knight, Christopher Nolan. Was it the optics that actually grabbed you? Was it the body of work from Christopher Nolan that actually put that in the category? Or was it specifically down to the actual performances? Because there were three things for me at play with that kind of like choice, surely. Um, the character of the Joker attracted me to it a lot. Uh, the moral questions within, within the film, such as what to do when you're on a ferry and there are two ferries um, and you know that if you don't blow up the other one by the time it, it gets to, to the zero, then both of you are gonna get blow up, that, that sort of thing. It was really cool in that sense. Visually, it was amazing. And it was just, and, and, and it was set in the uh, Batman universe. Which, and as a massive uh, superhero fan, it, that was just right down my alley. Okay. And RIP to Debo, who made the right choice on the ferry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I uh, To be honest, uh, on that ferry, uh, I, I would have blown up the other one. Like, in, <laughs> I, I, like immediately, I'm sorry. The information they were presented with was, if you do not blow up the other ferry, by the time time runs out, both ferries are gonna get blown up. You obviously blow up the other one immediately. <laughs> okay, so what's the next DVD that you're gonna ensure that you've brought along with you? Uh, then I'd probably say Avengers Assemble, um, because I'm a massive Marvel Marvel nerd. And that film was the culmination of several solo films with all the different characters. 
Um, and it was, it just hit that childish boyhood superhero spot, especially that, that fight, that final um, battle where you have them all coming together. Uh, Iron Man even using Cap's shield to spray his um, cannon blaster around, that sort of thing. That was, it was amazing. Um, and just, I'd waited so long to see it in, 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 the, in, the, in, this, in theaters. And especially as it was directed by Joss Whedon, who also directed Buffy, and I'm obviously a massive fan of that. Um, yeah, I just, I just loved that film. So in terms of, I know that they all assembled, but was there one like Avenger which stood out for you across the series? Uh, across the series? Um, well, I mean, Iron Man grew on me. Um, well, mm. no, he... he at the start, he was amazing. And then because Iron Man 2 wasn't as good, he sort of fell a little bit. But then he was amazing in in uh, Avengers Assemble. And then in the in, and then in the final two Infinity films, uh, just wow. Um, Outstanding, it was, yeah. It was good to see his character development um, going from the uh, business tycoon selling weapons to God knows who, um, to realizing that his weapons were being used in the wrong way, to becoming a hero, to being traumatized by being a hero, to then realizing that he had a destiny that he might not survive until until ultimately, ultimately get to Avengers Endgame. It was amazing. Indeed. Literally going out on his shield. See what I did there? Going out <laughs> on his shield? Anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll leave the jokes to you. So, the, the, the third that you'd bring with you? Um, probably Fight Club, um, because I just, the film was visually amazing. Um, and as a concept, again, amazing. Spoiler alert, uh, Brad Pitt's character doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> and that twist was just beautiful. It was seeded with little hints all the way through um and the fight scene between edward norton and himself in in his boss's office is a masterpiece um where he's basically punching himself to make it look like his boss is abusing him so yeah. he can basically um manipulate the boss it was it was very, very good. And not to mention the, the way they discuss materialism and capitalism in, in that um, in that film. Um, you're not your khakis, that sort of thing. That was, it was very good. Okay, the fourth. The fourth would probably be uh, V for Vendetta um, because uh, that idea of, for starters, just the way it looks at politics um the, the iconic phrase um governments uh, people should not be afraid of their governments governments should be afraid of their people um and there's not enough of that today um uh, politicians don't feel like they're accountable the very notion of a safe seat electorally means they know they're going to get elected and they don't have to do anything about um to actually help people um and some of the scenes from there when you watch them today you realize just how similar it is to what's happening um, uh, right now. I mean, there, there's a speech in there where 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 um, v, the the main character V says he, he he's speaking on a massive megaphone to the entire country, and he's saying, um, "We know how we got there. 
Um, your, your fears were manipulated. The, the powers conspired to rob you of your common sense. And then your desperation and your panic, you turned to a man who had no principles whatsoever. And it was just like, okay, so we're just putting Boris Johnson in a the movie then. Um, um, and it was, it was, it's amazing to see it. And it just gets better and better the more you watch it. Incredible. And the fifth and final movie, what would that be? Borat. <laughs> I'm all ears for this one. I'm sitting down <laughs> for this one. I'm ready. I cried three times in the cinema when I watched that. Wow. Three times. That's how funny that film is. I was just inconsolable laughing. Um, just things like... Uh, I went to America with a jar of gypsy tears to protect me from AIDS or um, uh, we didn't want to fly in case the Jews repeated their attack of 9-11 or <laughs> um, when he tried to put Pamela Anderson into a bag. It was, it's just the best film. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. You know, just before we close, there seems to be like an overriding theme of heroism and um, striving for justice and, and basically um, beating down the bad guys in the majority of your choices there. Mm. Just like swinging it around, uh, segueing into what effectively your fight has been. Do you feel that, um, do you feel sometimes that the demonization that's actually occurring with the government because of this strive to kind of like keep people down effectively. And with Brexit and all the other kind of like mechanisms which are coming into place, like, do you feel as though there is an end game to this? Do you, it's almost as though we are living a movie. Do you feel as though we're moving to a point where they'll feel as though they've won? So, I've always had hope in the sense that I know that nationalism is self-defeating. Yeah. Nationalism is by definition an irrational level of confidence in your own country and then your and, and where your own country is as a result, because it's irrational, because it's flawed, your country will overstep the mark and will do things that it may think it has the ability to do, but which it actually can't. And Brexit is a prime example of that. Right. And so, given that this will ultimately blow back in our faces, we're about to experience in a very, very painful way what the consequences of nationalism are. Now, you would have hoped that we'd have learnt that lesson about 80 years ago, but clearly we haven't. Um, and so when people are made poorer as a direct result of listening to people like Boris Johnson, um, Boris Johnson will be weaker, there will be more infighting than Tory party as they scramble to find some way of saying that they that they weren't to blame for this when they were. Um, and in that time, what we need is for the left to get its shoes on. We need the left to basically recognize that there is one party on the right, several on the left, that splits the left vote, um, meaning that as it, as it currently stands, the right is at, a, is at an electoral advantage. The only way we can... Um, end that advantage is if the left comes together on the basis of if Labour gets elected, they will introduce proportional representation within 12 months of taking power. 
because that way, if you're a natural Green voter or a natural Lib Dem voter, you can vote for Labour as a way of making your vote actually count for the Greens or Lib Dems at the following election. Whereas right now, I mean, the maths is ridiculous when you look at it. Um, if you voted Labour, Labour got 32% of the 33, sorry, 2% of the vote and 31% of the seats. The Tories got 44% of the vote and 56% of the seats. So mathematically, a, 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 a Tory vote counts more than a Labour vote. Now, if you take that down to a Green vote or a Lib Dem vote, uh, they had like 0.1% uh, of a vote uh, to compare it to seats. That has to change because we don't have a democracy as long as that's the case. But if we can get that that electoral pact based on electoral reform, then given that the vast in 2017 and 2019 and many times before, our country does tend to vote progressive when you look at the popular vote. If we can get that electoral reform, the Tories are finished. I'm a little bit saddened by what you've said there. I'll tell you why. Because after the year that we've had, and after all the rhetoric and the news, and especially you making things really, really clear about what mm. Brexit means, it looks like we're in for another shitty year. That's exactly what you're saying there, because it's going to be a while before we can actually vote and our votes actually mean something in terms of mm. change. So what you're actually saying is 2020 was the trailer. 2021 yeah. is the actual film. This is where the real horror unfolds. That's what you're saying. It is very much what I'm saying. Because if you, think, if you think about um, the coronavirus pandemic, during this year, the government has done things to keep people in their jobs. It's provided the furlough scheme, etc. The narrative, the, the place they're shifting to now will be, well, we put, we've put um, businesses, we've supported businesses for, for 2020, uh, now we're going to see which jobs are viable, so we're, we're going to withdraw the support. Um, and they're also doing that right at the time that we're going to enter what sounds like today as a no-deal Brexit. Now, just so that we're clear on what that is, the UK does half of its trade with the EU. Um, we get a third of our food from the EU. If you look at a place like, if you look at an industry like cars, Half the cars go to the EU. Half the fish we catch goes to the EU. A third of Welsh lamb goes to the EU. And a no-deal Brexit means the EU has to put tariffs on every single car, fish, and, uh, and, and lamb. Now, that is a significant hammer blow to our economy. Um, and jobs will go. And that's going to be happening during our supposed recovery from the coronavirus. Whoa. So it will get harder. Damn. Well, we can't leave this podcast or this session, this interview on, on a downer. Okay, you've given me your best Joker. Give me your best Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Swear to me! <laughs> Where are the other drugs going? I love it. I love it. <laughs> Femi, it's been incredible catching up with you. Thank you again for your time. I really do appreciate it. So Our pleasure. Precious. Thanks for inviting me. I know me. that you are doing some incredible things. And again, once again, thank you so much for representing and representing loudly for us. Now that that episode is in the bag, if you want to converse with me about this or any of the topics I've discussed with my guests, give me a follow via 
Twitter, I'm available at MikeWoTV. Of course, you can actually follow the podcast Twitter account, Trash OFG2. If you like this episode, feel free to subscribe via iTunes, Spotify, and leave a review. Hold up.